0: Welcome to this episode of Horrific History and Hauntings. I'm Beth.
1: And I'm Ramey. We're your hosts, here to talk about the stories that the history books ignore.
0: From horrific epidemics and ghostly hauntings to the catastrophes and tragic events that have sickened humanity. I
1: could guess what we're talking about today.
0: This is part two of the Two-Gun Crawley episodes, and I'm going to go ahead and say again, we have an Amazon affiliate link if you want to purchase the book that I got most of the information from. It is called Shootout on the Upper West Side, The True Story of Francis Two-Gun Crawley by Rich Gold. It has a lot of information and good pictures in it. The paperback is $13.50 at the time we're recording, and it also is on Kindle Unlimited.
1: Yep, that's a pretty good deal if you get Kindle Unlimited.
0: Yeah, I enjoy my Kindle Unlimited Mm -hmm. very much so. I think it's only like $10, bucks, is not
1: it? I think it is, and we put it to good use. I do. I do. Uh, And
0: there's a lot of good books you can get on there and download for free. I have Well, so, borrow, I guess you could say, for free. Yeah, you
1: can only have so many at a time. But once yeah. you return one, it's like a library. with Yeah. It's like a library of like 20, 20 books you can get at a time or more. I also used to say the affiliate link will just take you to your Amazon site like normal. It will not charge you anymore for the purchase, but they will be able to track that link and tell them that we helped you find it. And a little kickback will go to us from that purchase. But the price will be the same for you regardless. And it would really help us out if you did stuff like that. But if you don't have no interest in it, just use unlimited. Who cares? <laughs> We're not picky. Okay, Beth, where are we? Because it's been a week.
0: We're at the part where shit is going to go down. May 7th, 1931, police received an anonymous tip as to where Billy Dunn lived. Detectives Mara and Caso or Caso went to the address that was given. Caso or Caso, what would you say <laughs> in this situation? C-A-S-O.
1: Caso, because um. Casanova. I I, I guess. I don't Mm -hmm. even know how you spell that. Uh, My spelling sucks.
0: Casso watched from across the street while Mara checked the entrance for a mailbox with Billy Dunn's name. He found no mailbox with her name, but he did find a note on a mailbox with a blank nameplate that read, Red and Murray, don't ring the bell. Helen and I have gone to the store. Wait. We'll return immediately. Billy.
1: Okay. That's to the point. I would have got so confused.
0: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) He found a notice with the superintendent's name and address as well. And the superintendent confirmed that Billy Dunn, Francis Crawley, and Derringer lived in the top floor apartment. Okay. He drew the detectives a floor plan of the building. Mara made a phone call to headquarters to give them the information he had received. New York Police Department Commissioner Edward P. (laughs) (laughs) Mulrooney.
1: Oh... Their last episode was Elizabeth Bathory, and their names is about this fun. Bowtry, Whatever.
0: (laughs) Mulrooney ordered an army of 400 (laughs) cops to go to the apartment building on West 90th Street. Mara didn't think that Crawley and Fats were at the apartment at the time. Oh,
1: I forgot Fats.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He planned to wait for them to show up and then arrest them. And given what that note said... Would make sense as to why he would think they weren't in the apartment. Yeah. After phoning the headquarters, his superiors took over. They stationed officers with high-powered rifles and machine guns on top of roofs and in the other strategic spots around the building. Mara put on work clothes and disguised himself as a workman in the lobby. Detective Edward Burns hid inside a utility closet across from the apartment
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they are a, a little wacky. They murdered a bunch of people. They brought their girlfriend to their other girlfriend's apartment.
0: Yeah, what a jerk! That part really made me angry. That well, whole it made thing her should angry make me too. angry, but that part really, like, fuck you, buddy. They
1: made her angry because she went straight out and told everybody where, where they are. <laughs> <laughs> they had it coming. Yep. exactly hey. I
0: bet she was singing that the whole way down the street too.
1: Yeah, I, I would have been. <laughs> or they have it coming. <laughs>
0: Detective Edward Burns hid inside a utility closet across from the apartment rented by Billy Dunn on the top floor. While all the police were in position, a man walked in the building and rang the bell for Billy Dunn's apartment.
1: Don't ring.
0: Mara jumped out of his hiding place in the lobby, flashed his badge, and grabbed the man.
1: This is some rando.
0: He was a photographer for the Evening Journal, and he immediately told detectives he was waiting for... Joe O'Connor, the reporter, to cover a story on Crawley.
1: Oops, you made a boo-boo. Yeah. Nobody will notice. Just get back in there and act like you didn't see me.
0: (laughs) Because of this, Mara now knew that Crawley was actually in the apartment. Moments later, this was confirmed when he heard shots being fired from upstairs. When Crawley heard the bell ring, he went to the door with fats behind him, and Detective Burns heard the apartment door open, so he peeked out. Crawley was walking out with a gun in each hand. Oh. So he started shooting at Crawley. Crawley shot back at him, retreated into the apartment, and bolted the door.
1: Oh, all this planning to be undone by one door <laughs> and a reporter.
0: Yeah. Inside the apartment were Helen Rudy Fat, which is Fats, and Francis Tua and Crawley. Outside were 400 armed police officers with the orders, shoot to kill. 400 police officers.
1: That's excessive. And they didn't even bother evacuating the rest of the people. No. They're just like, we'll They fill were sneaking around
0: trying to make it look. Sneaking around, there's 400 of, people. Don't be suspicious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of the, um, you ever watch Kung Fu Hustle? The when, yeah. the when the axe gang shows up, you just look out your door <laughs> and there's 400 people in suits coming your way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the police sent two men upstairs with an axe to try to break the apartment door down hmm But oh. they retreated back downstairs when they were met with gunfire from Crawley and Fats. What'd you expect? Yeah. You ca- you brought an axe to a gunfight.
1: Nowadays, they would, like, shotgun the doorknob off. Am I wrong? I'm pretty I feel sure.
0: like they should have done that in the first place.
1: But yeah. They just they clearly didn't care about the rest of the people. No. Might as well shoot a hole in the floor.
0: <laughs> Commissioner Mulrooney directed a team of storm... Troopers? <laughs> Nobody can hit nothing. one. <laughs> A team two stormed the roof on the building, chop holes into the ceiling, and drop tear gas bombs inside.
1: I would be furious if I was the The, the property owner. owner. I would
0: (laughs) Yeah, you better be paying for that. This was achieved, but Crawley managed to toss a few out the window and back at the cops direction.
1: No, there's four hundred of them out there. While still
0: shooting his guns at them.
1: They must have a lot of ammo. Yeah. If he thought he could hold off four hundred cops. He better watch out. They'll start (laughs) knocking their way through the other walls. (laughs) There won't be anywhere to hide. All the walls are gone. The floor, ceiling.
0: Officers shot machine guns as three in the apartment moved to another room.
1: Oh, so they And this
0: continued for about another hour.
1: Has anyone been hit that we know of? Not that we know of. Okay. I mean, probably some old Mrs. Fisher across the hall.
0: (laughs) Poor Miss Fisher. (laughs) All she was trying to do was... Read or, a book or knit or
1: something. <laughs> whatever you do back in, what is this, 1930s? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cocaine?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cops busted another hole in the ceiling of the other room and dropped more tear gas inside as the gunfire continued.
1: Yet more, hole. more Imagine holes. Imagine being in the, the ceiling. people upstairs.
0: They're, it's a rooftop. Oh, so. so they're
1: on the top floor. Yeah, they're the
0: top floor. Okay. On the bright say, side. The
1: cops just, like 392 <laughs> cops, the only many that can fit in the room, walk in with axes and start hacking <laughs> away at your floor. <laughs> oh. Surely they've evacuated the people by now. This is the part of the story I would like to know. Like, the other people who have witnessed these things, what's going on in their minds?
0: There was actually a case in Abingdon, I want to say like a month ago. It wasn't that long ago. And... The fire department had to get this guy that was running from the police who decided to crawl under this old man's house to hide. The old man found out about it, had the fire department come in and bust holes in his floor to get this guy out.
1: I wonder who has to pay when something like that's done. Because I would charge the guy for trespassing and uh, yeah, destruction of property. Yeah, I feel like property.
0: he should definitely be the one to. But
1: his lawyers would be like, no, you had them bust a the hole in that right. He could have just stayed there indefinitely. And that poor dude would probably lose. So that's the way it works, unfortunately, because it is all true. You ask somebody to poke a hole in your floor.
0: Yeah, true. Crawley heard a voice on a bullhorn telling him to surrender, which he yells back, come and get me, you dirty coppers.
1: Wow. He is just an original guy, isn't he? Maybe he was (laughs) the guy who said that first, though. Who knows?
0: Oh. And then I have it that uh, I'm pretty sure that I've heard that phrase in movies before.
1: I'm pretty sure I heard it on oh, Old Brother, Where Art Thou?
0: Yeah. Babyface Nelson. Mm-hmm. During all the violent chaos, Crawley had Helen write a letter on his behalf, which read, To whom it may concern, I was born on the 31st, she on the 13th. I guess it was fate that made us meet. Put a lily in my hand so the boys will know how i look. Under my coat is a weary heart, but a kind one. A heart that would do no body harm.
1: Oh, surely not.
0: I had nothing else to do. That's why I went around and bumped off cops.
1: Oh, goodness. It's
0: the new sensation of the films. Take Uh, a tip from me to never let a copper go an inch about your knee.
1: Now, he missed an opportunity to say sensation of the nation, and I'll never forgive him for that.
0: Oh, well, she was writing it for him, so she could have come up with it.
1: It was. Yeah. She should. She might because he
0: was illiterate. He only knew his name and maybe a few other words.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Copper. Take, <laughs> take a tip from me to never let a copper go an inch about your knee. I already said that part.
1: Yeah, what does it mean?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I guess don't let them get too big around you. I don't know.
1: Don't, don't feed them their Wheaties. <laughs> <laughs>
0: They will tell you they love you but as soon as you turn your back they will club you and say the hell with you.
1: Maybe it was a policy back then. We love you. We are here for you.
0: I mean, they kind of still do that if you think about it.
1: I mean, that's what they're supposed to be there for. Yeah, I, I don't but... I don't know maybe. I haven't met really a bad one yet. Mm-hmm. I know they're out there. I just <laughs> never I don't come across them daily.
0: Now death is near. <clears throat> there are a couple of bulls outside the door saying, "Come out here. I'm behind the door with three 38s on which belongs to my friend who put on weight so quick in North Merrick he would have got me if his bullets were good
1: this sounds like something the first generation of AI would come up with <laughs> like the old errors you'd get from chat GPT or Bing
0: yeah well Helen wrote three more letters while holding out in the apartment of course All she wh- did All of which were professing her love and loyalty to Crawley. One of them read, to whom it may concern, I was born on the 13th of October and he was born on the 31st. If I die in my face, you are able to see, wave my hair, make me look pretty and make my face up. Dress me in black and white in a new dress. Do my nails all over. I don't use this type of polish. It's too dark. I use a very pale pink. I always wanted everybody to be happy and have a good time. I had some pretty good times myself. Love to all, but all of my love to sweets. P.S. Everybody happy and how. Helen Walsh.
1: I'm beginning to wonder if she isn't the one writing all this.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Because that doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Uh, It's hard to tell what they were on.
0: Yeah. Well. Laudanum. I don't know about her, but from what they kept saying is Crawley did not drink, do drugs, or even smoke.
1: He might have taken up drinking.
0: Uneducated.
1: He he should have taken up (laughs) drinking. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he would have chilled out. Some people do when they drink. They chill out. Oddly enough, I know it makes you hyped up, most people, but some people chill out. Or maybe he could have taken up smoking. (laughs) I said this last time, but he really should have got into something other than just shooting cops.
0: (laughs) Well, the second note of Helen's read, I had a good time while it lasted. The boys were great to me. They even washed my pajamas. He was a great fellow. If I die, powder my nose, manicure my nails, and put a lily in my hand. I am. The last note in the same handwriting of Helen Walsh read, I bet Legs Diamond dies about something different from bullets. I'll see you in heaven if there is such a place. Everybody thinks he's hard, but he can't be. He cooked my breakfast this morning and washed my pajamas so I could sleep in them. The only thing I regret is that I will never see the rest of the world, and I wanted so much to travel all over. If I see Vivian Gordon, I'll ask who shot her. Love to my mother, father, and sister. P.S. Show this to my sister so she'll know I died singing, please don't talk about me when I'm gone.
1: She's real dramatic. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. I don't know. I I imagine she was probably uh, somewhat scared, but it's like she's living for this.
1: He is the world to her because he washed her pajamas. Somebody bought me a Big Mac once. I didn't fall in love.
0: Oh, well, we'll see, maybe it's because it was the 30s.
1: It could have been. And there was just so little regulation on everything you took. He might not have thought he was drinking alcohol or poison or anything, but he was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Helen was hiding in the bathroom. Bats was cowering and ready to surrender. And Crawley had been shot in the arm and in each thigh. That did not make him give up, though. He was running low on ammunition. In his head, if he's going down, he's going to take as many cops as possible. After loading the last of his ammunition, Crawley strapped one gun to each of his calves. Then he dropped his pants to his knees to reveal the wounds in his thighs. He was hoping the cops would be too distracted to search him. Then he yelled that he was ready to surrender.
1: I mean, at least he thought it out a little bit.
0: Mm. Detective Burns yelled out for Crawley and Fats to stand back from the door with their hands raised. Burns and several officers busted through the apartment door. They found Crawley and Fats with their heads raised, and Helen was found unharmed. Fats was searched, cuffed, and taken away. Crawley complained about the wounds on his leg while Burns searched him, but Burns still ended up finding the two concealed guns Crawley had strapped to his calves.
1: Oh, fiddlesticks.
0: Yeah. Apparently, he was planning to shoot his way out of the ambulance.
1: Like I said, he thought ahead. It might have worked in a Batman movie. <laughs>
0: A little after 6 p.m., Crawley was taken away in an ambulance with a police escort to the Bellevue Hospital's prison ward. And Helen was taken in for questioning, according to the book. The hunt for two-gun Crawley was probably one of New York City's most dramatic shootouts in history. If there was 400 police, then absolutely I agree.
1: This is a whole other level of overkill?
0: Yeah. But Uh, look at how much he had gotten away as well. But still. I, it's, hindsight's
1: twenty twenty. but it's hard not to blame some of people's. Be- he, he just had really good luck, but I don't think all these people were incompetent. Yeah. But he just had really good luck, I'm thinking. Or nobody knew what he looked like half the time.
0: Yeah. I probably wouldn't have remembered his face.
1: I certainly wouldn't. I can't remember people's faces.
0: When Crawley was at the hospital, he was weak from the loss of blood and groggy from the tear gas. <laughs> but it was found that his leg wounds were minor injuries. I feel like blood loss to that extent probably isn't as minor. As it seems. Yeah. When questioned by Chief Inspector of Nassau County Detectives Harry King, Crawley signed a confession stating he shot and killed Patrolman Hirsch. May 8, 1931, reporter Jack Miley reported in the Daily News Crawley's bragging, and it read, Sure, I killed Hirsch. I fired 16 shots at him. I killed that copper deader than hell I did. When I shoot them, they die. Buddy and I poured enough hot lead at that guy to kill a dozen guys. Then I got out of the car to make sure he was dead. If he wasn't, I was going to finish the job. I swiped his pistol, too. It was the one of the guns I used on you fellas today.
1: What? He doesn't care.
0: No, not at all.
1: I mean, he knows he's already in trouble.
0: Yeah, big trouble. Crawley was formally arraigned and charged with first degree murder the next day. The trial date was set for May 25th. While at the hospital, Two-Gun Crawley received numerous calls and letters from girls who were concerned about him. Jesus.
1: <laughs> How many girls do you know? Or is this just like... Um,
0: well, a lot of girls did that with, I want to say, Charles Manson Yeah, they, also. they did it. Oh,
1: I know they did it with Charles. I just didn't know it started earlier than that. Uh,
0: but apparently this is something that's been happening that long. I
1: imagine the people who would have fell in love with Blonnie and Clyde if they hadn't have been shot up in a car.
0: I guess. I don't actually know much about that. I need to go into that case because I want to say that I've heard that they really didn't get along that well. A couple of days after the arraignment, he was transferred to the Nassau Hospital in Manola. I'm assuming that's how that's pronounced. Crawley didn't want a lawyer, but was provided a defense attorney, Charles R. Weeks, anyway. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to go to trial because he knew he was going to get the death penalty and he just wanted to get it over with.
1: I mean, yeah. That's
0: why he was content pleading guilty. Yeah, just do it. It was mandatory for the defendant to stand trial on first-degree murder charges since the result would be the death penalty, though. So he still had to have his trial. that's
1: unpleasant. How long did it take?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, long. May 9th, 1931, the New York American quoted him as saying, All right, let's get this over with soon. Even if I must burn. Repent? Hell no. My conscience was never so clear in my life.
1: I knew what I was doing.
0: (laughs) After Rudy Derringer Fats was arrested, he was taken to the New York Police Department headquarters to be interviewed. During the interview, he provided a statement saying he shot Virginia Brannon and threw her body over the wall at St. John's Seminary. He also confirmed the crimes of Crawley committed.
1: That Crawley committed? Yes. Ah, I got it right.
0: Including the murder of Officer Hirsch. Crawley had no regrets. He was angry with Billy over her betrayal. And in my notes, I say you betrayed her first by bringing your ex-girl that you were still trying to get back with in the apartment that she rented for you both to live in while you hid away from the police, you ungrateful asshat.
1: Yeah. If you wanted
0: a ride or die type of girl, you should have thought about that before being a giant disrespectful pile of steaming shit to her.
1: Yep. He was a bit rough on her and she done what she had to. Mm-hmm. She done the right thing. Mm-hmm. If you know a criminal, you turn them in, okay, guys and girls?
0: A psychiatrist Richard H. Hoffman asked Crawley about Dilly Bean, and he replied with, The rat, she's eating cheese with the cops. You let me out of here long enough to stick a lily in her hand, and I'll take the hot seat and laugh. I'm assuming lily is a funeral flower?
1: Yeah, I believe so.
0: Yeah, and that's why they keep saying this, I'm assuming. According to Victor Rosens, a gun in his hand... Billy Dunn wrote Crawley a letter trying to assure him she did not write him out and saying how much she still loved him. She blamed the reporter Joe O'Connor for being the rat, the one that she told the address to.
1: Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, Mm. she did. uh,
0: She did it first.
1: Maybe she said off the books and he did like, (laughs) of course, wink.
0: (laughs) Yeah. She even stated in the letter that Crawley had always treated her well. I don't think bringing his ex-girl that he was getting back together with and... Was treating her well at all. And then forcing her to let this girl stay in her apartment that she rented for him.
1: Yeah, that was a bit. And I
0: have it. Billy Dearest, please explain how him disrespecting you like that is treating you well. How How is that? It's not. No, it's not. As Crawley continued to express his hatred for Billy, he did show sincere concern for Helen's well-being. May 8th, 1931, the Daily News reported part of Helen's confession, and it read... Sure, he shot Hirsch, and the policeman didn't have a chance. He killed him because the cop recognized him. He knew he was caught. Hirsch said to him, Crawley, get him up. I know you. He whipped out a gun and fired. Oh, I don't know how many shots. I was scared stiff. Then he got out of the car and walked to Hirsch's body. He took the pistol away from him and shoved it in his pocket. He said to me, baby, that's the way to treat a cop. I guess I fixed him up all right, didn't I? Then we drove away. He told me, you're staying with me, kid, see?
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry,
0: it's so dramatic.
1: Did they really talk like this? I always thought that was just a,
0: oh. a like
1: a, a trope.
0: <laughs> oh, there's more. And if you don't be careful, you're likely to get hurt. You know too much now. I was scared to death of him ever since he killed Hirsch. I thought he'd kill me, but he always told Red, meaning Fats. I'd never murder a woman. Cops are my meat. I... I thought I was going to get killed in that flat when the shooting started. I wanted to get out, but I didn't know how. I hid under furniture and everything. Those bullets were flying around the place. Okay, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. This could have been completely blown out of proportion when it came to the reporter. Yeah. Because they do that. They either exaggerate or they get it completely wrong. They already released a newspaper that was saying he killed her, so we know that. Maybe she didn't say it. Maybe she's not living for this attention, the way it seems. Maybe it was the newspapers. I don't know. Either way, she confessed. She ratted him out. What he's mad at Billy for. Of course. Yeah. In an interview with the New York America, she related the following. I never loved him. I would have notified the police if he had ever left me alone a minute after he shot policeman Frederick Hirsch. But he never let me out of his sight. Those love letters I wrote were dictated by him. He would have killed me if I hadn't written them. He made me write that we were married. I've lived in fear every minute.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to actually believe the lady. This guy's unpredictable. And I don't know how I'd react to <laughs> somebody. I know
0: she was scared. There's no way, unless she is completely psychotic, that she wasn't scared. I do agree she was scared. But he also gave her an opportunity to go home. She admit that.
1: I don't know how I'd stand on this whole matter. I don't know. I- it's My job It's a jury's job.
0: Yep, exactly. And I'm not part of that jury. Billy Dunn took this as an opportunity to get back on Crawley's good side. I don't know why she would want to do that when he's such a jerk, but.
1: She had all this to get the other girl in trouble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She didn't receive a reply from the first letter she sent him, so she sent a second letter that read Frank, when you brought Helen home, I told you that she would lead us into trouble, and she sure did. I have read in the papers where she has told everything she knows to herself and threw everything on your shoulders a fine friend she turned out to be bah, bah. <laughs> frank dear i'm praying hard for you every day i know that you hate me but i will keep loving you anyways when she didn't receive a reply to the second letter she sent a third which pleads
1: <laughs> she's gonna spam him
0: <laughs> you know frank i'll learn that Following the trouble in Long Island, a lady reporter for the Evening Journal went to see her mother, and it was her who told the police and reporters to look for me, but thank God they were unable to locate until last Saturday. When I called up the newspaper man I used to go out with, and they traced the call. I met the friend while we were eating. His boss and several newspaper men walked in on us. Dale had shot at Frank with Frank's own revolver, which he had no right to do. I don't know why it said Dale. I don't know if that was a typo, but that I made sure when I was reading the book, it said D-E-L. With evidence in Crawley's confession, Charles Weeks, his attorney, believed claiming insanity would be best.
1: I mean, I'm inclined to believe that. <laughs> so, you know.
0: When Crawley was in Bellevue Hospital, the Nassau County District Attorney ordered a psychiatric examination on him because he suspected that's what they were going to try to do. This examination was performed by Dr. Menez Gregory.
1: Oh, that's a pretty cool name, actually. Yeah.
0: If I'm pronouncing it right, it is.
1: Yeah, it could sound really wacky.
0: Weeks then had Dr. Richard Hoffman perform another examination. Both psychiatrists declared that Crawley was not insane. Dr. Hoffman's examination revealed other disorders. His opinion was that Francis lacked the capability to plan a murder. With this information, Weeks thought he could prove the murder of Patrolman Hirsch was not premeditated. It wasn't, was it? I don't believe so. He did say many times how much he hated cops and He does not he, regret shooting did. them, so Yeah. But no, I don't think you sat there and planned it. No. But I don't know how that works when it comes to the law. Psychologist Dr. Arthur Frank Payne's opinion was that Crawley and Helen were morons laboring (laughs) under an oppressive Uh. inferiority complex. And this is just an opinion of a random, one of these random psychiatrists. It says, he believed that Crawley was driven to kill to show his superiority. He wrote that if Crawley had been given protection, shelter, food, and clothing, he would have been a docile person. He went on that Helen and Crawley were the same psychological type. Both are low level of intelligence and come from families low in the economic skill. Crawley compensated for his inferiority with a symbol of power, a revolver. Helen compensated for her inferiority by writing letters destined inevitably for a large audience.
1: I mean, he wasn't wrong.
0: No. Then he goes on to say a little bit more, but I'm not going to include all of that. Then he wrote, Crawley is an emotionally unstable moron. (laughs) Some believe Crawley was born bad and was destined for a life of crime, while others believe he was a victim of society such as his parents abandoning him, causing him to hate cops. It was speculated that his biological father was a policeman, which is thought to be what fueled his anger towards cops, but I don't know about that. i say it's probably his brother's death.
1: Yeah, I think it's his brother's death.
0: That actually he was around, not the ones that abandoned him.
1: I do like the wording that these professionals of the day could use (laughs) and get away with. Uh, You say that now.
0: (laughs) No, you're losing your license.
1: I don't know, but you certainly have a, your clientele list goes straight down a bit. <laughs> I guess you're free to say what you want, even if you're a professional, but.
0: There are some events that occurred over the years that are thought to be what caused his behavior, such as he suffered two serious falls as a child, beatings from police, his older brother, John, being killed by the police officer, being involved with street gangs at a young age. There's really no way to know for sure. I'd say it was the two falls.
1: It had nothing to do with the police always (laughs) attacking him in some way or another or the gang activity. No, 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 no. It's most likely the tumbles.
0: Yeah. Six months before this, Crawley was found guilty of automobile theft. He was freed on a suspended sentence. I think I mentioned this earlier at the beginning. People were curious as to why Crawley was not sentenced to prison for that crime. I was. Yeah. Bronx County Judge Stockwell who decided to allow Crawley to walk free, issued a statement by saying, Not a judge in the world could have foreseen that Crawley would later be involved in a crime such as that which he is charged now. He goes on to say a little bit more, and then he says, It was his first conviction. The offense for which he was charged was not a crime of violence. He had no gun. He appeared very much like any youngster of the age who had gotten in with a gang. I could hardly send him to prison where he would have been thrown in the company of older men, hardened veterans in crime. And then he goes on in his statement with a few other things. Then he says, I still believe that unless there is something more in the record, such youngsters upon first conviction are entitled to another chance. I recall that Crawley's parole record showed up well. Then he says more, but... I'm not going to read off the whole thing. He
1: makes a good point. (laughs) And I'm getting for the most part, his way of doing things worked out in a lot of people's benefit. This one bad apple doesn't set the standard. That's what I'm saying. No,
0: I feel like there's a lot less people, youngsters as young as he was that go out and continue to.
1: It's certainly not quite that bad. They might've done little odds and ends, but
0: needing 400 cops to catch you. No, I don't feel like it's been that bad. While the arrest resulted in a formal conviction for the car theft, it was only the first conviction on his record. He was arrested several other times, but never convicted.
1: So that wouldn't have showed up for the poor judge. Yeah. I was wondering, I could have like I remember. like I'm swear he'd done other things. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, he did, but he wasn't convicted. So the judge didn't even have a clue.
0: Yeah. Now we're going into Patrolman Hirsch's funeral. May ninth, nineteen thirty one, Hirsch's funeral took place in Bellamore, Long Island. Over 300 police officers attended. Most were from Nassau County, but there were some that also showed up from all over. The officers that received the reward for capturing Crawley gave the money to Hersh's widow. Oh. The eulogy was given by Reverend Francis J. Healy. I'm going to read off just a portion of this eulogy. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Part that stuck out to me for some reason. That of the boy, still adolescent, who committed the murder. He had a clear mind and a firm determination. He hated the police, and in his oath to hate them, he was a menace to society. Is there a definite cause for the lawlessness of today? If so, the solution must be found. Is it prohibition? It didn't work. (laughs) If so, in the name of God, decency, and in the name of every American citizen, whose right it is to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, let us repeal or modify prohibition. I don't see what prohibition has to do with this, because Crowley didn't drink. That's true. Unless he means you should be drinking. Like you were saying.
1: When prohibition was repealed, the president said, what America needs now is a drink. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of the criminals, people who had never been criminals until they couldn't get a hold of alcohol became criminals to get it. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if prohibition had anything to do with it. That's the one law he seemed okay to follow, though. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: It stuck out and it didn't really make sense to me. He goes on to ask if schools were to blame or because the death penalty is an easy way out for criminals. And at the end, he said the New York police are the finest and the noblest anywhere in the world. Francis Tugun's trial. Gun Crawley's attorney, Mr. Weeks, declared it was impossible for Crawley to receive a fair trial in Nassau County due to so many citizens and officers pushing for him to get the death penalty. He asked for a change in location for a jury to some county upstate, and this request was denied. May 18, 1931, Nassau County Judge Louis J. Smith, set trial to commence a week later on May 25th. Attorney Weeks attempted to get an adjournment until June 1st with a claim that the Memorial Day holiday would conflict with proceedings, and Judge Smith said no. May 25th was reconfirmed. Considering Crawley had been on the front page of nearly every local newspaper, it made it difficult to find people for the jury that were impartial. Crawley was involved with the selection of his jurors. Apparently, Crawley had his opinions He rejected 23 prospects. Some of the reasons were, in quotes, necks on that guy, he looks like a cop. Nothing doing, that guy looks too slick. Outside with that bum, he'd hang his grandmother.
1: Um, (laughs) I guess so. I don't know these people. I'd like to see their pictures.
0: (laughs) What, with that jaw? No chance. He's lying when he says he doesn't have an opinion already. Can him, can him. I don't like him. It took over two days to select 12 jurors.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I don't know how long that normally takes, though.
1: I don't know either.
0: But I say it's probably harder when you got someone saying things like that.
1: Imagine going there and getting jeered out of your own jury <laughs> duty.
0: <laughs> I would be okay with it. Thank you. Patrolman Hirsch's mother told reporters, I want him to die in the chair. If he is allowed to live, go to prison. He'll worm out some way, and how can anyone be sure he won't kill another policeman?
1: I think he would. Yeah.
0: My son never had a chance. He went up to ask Crawley for his license. The only answer he got was automatic. If he hadn't been so willing, so good-natured, he would have been killed. I have no animosity toward Crawley. I won't go to trial, but I say that the only safe thing is for him to die in the electric chair. Nothing else is safe. There's no assurance that if he goes to prison, he won't be free again and kill someone else. He's a killer.
1: Uh, He made it kind of clear. Yeah. I'm still surprised he wants uh, somebody on the jury who wouldn't hang him immediately. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm guessing he changed his tune a little bit halfway
0: through. I guess. Hirsch's father, Fred Hirsch Sr., said, He's gotten away before and he may this time. I don't think he'll get away altogether because Nassau County is after him. But what I want or what my wife wants won't make a difference. We can do nothing now.
1: He's practical.
0: Yeah. When Weeks cross-examined Detective Burns, Burns testified that in Crawley's confession, he claimed that Hirsch pulled his gun and attempted to fire shots first, but that it misfired. Weeks was hoping to use that statement to prove Crawley was shooting in self-defense. This claim was eventually contradicted due to no other witnesses to support Crawley's claim.
1: Considering the one girl with him said otherwise. Yeah.
0: When Edwards questioned Crawley's friend John, McC-
1: John McCall, I don't know how to say. I it. don't know.
0: He testified that I'm going to call him John. Yeah. He testified that when he asked Crawley what he was going to do now that the cops were after him, Crawley answered, "Either I shoot them, or they will shoot me. It's my life against theirs."
1: That's the way he saw it, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Helen Walsh appeared as a witness for the prosecution. I'm not going to mention all of the questions and answers, but I will mention some that I figured would be more important or interesting. Yep. If you want to see all of it, you'll have to get the book.
1: Imagine just reading court transcripts the whole day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When asked if the officers opened the door to the car, Helen answered, Hirsch did. Hirsch asked what we were doing there. We said, we were talking, and he asked Frank for his license. Then Yodis, another policeman, said, take off your hat. Then Hirsch repeated, Let me see your license, and Crawley reached back for his license. Then she was asked what happened after that, to which her reply was. Then the shooting started. I ducked to the bottom of the seat when the shooting started, and I didn't come up again until Frank started the car and headed out of the lane. She stated that Hirsch did not have his gun drawn when he opened the car door. She then said that Crawley told her later that Hirsch's gun had fallen into the car.
1: I remember hearing he just picked it up or took it from him.
0: Yeah, it might have fallen to the ground. I don't think it fell in the car.
1: He did he fall against g- the car, got didn't out.
0: he? Yeah, he fell against the car. So he
1: could have went through the window if the window was down.
0: Possible, but it says that Crawley got out of the car to get the gun.
1: Yeah, but where did that come from, her or Crawley?
0: <laughs> Who knows? I think both of them at one point.
1: That's hard to tell.
0: Um, I don't know. Charles Weeks then questioned Helen. Frank never made any advances to you, even when he had you in the apartment, did he? Her reply was, no, he never tried to. He always treated me nice. Oh, As a matter of fact, after Frank took you away after the shooting of Patrolman Hirsch, he asked you if you wanted to go home, didn't he? Her reply was, yes, sir, he did, but I was scared.
1: I mean, yeah, you could have said yeah, and the guy just shot you on the spot.
0: Yeah. You were so scared when the shooting on Black Shirt Lane occurred that you lay down onto the floor of the car and couldn't see all the time whether Hirsch had his gun out, and her reply was, yes, sir. Patrolman Peter Yotas, who was at the scene with Hirsch, was questioned as well. He stated that patrolman Hirsch first thought they came upon a couple of kids making out in a car, and under oath, he confirmed that neither of the officers had approached the car with their guns drawn. He said he ran around to the front when the shooting started, but stumbled into a hole. Mm-hmm. And before he could get off the ground, the car was speeding away.
1: I'm not judging. People started I, shooting out of the blue eye, jump don't. into a hole too. <laughs> Do whatever.
0: Well, he stumbled in the hole. He didn't mean to. It wasn't. It's a hole that tripped him pretty
1: much. But he stayed down there until the guy grabbed a gun off the cop and then took off himself
0: no after the shooting he men... said until
1: they drove away mm-hmm so that means he stayed in there until the guy got out of the car, grabbed the gun and then drove away
0: after a bit more questioning, Yodis was asked what happened after Hirsch told him he was going to check up on the license He replied, "I turned my back looking down the road to see if I could see anybody coming down the road I was looking for three men with tires then I heard bing bing bing
1: what kind of gun are they using <laughs>
0: And they asked, you heard shots? And he replied that he had. He said he immediately turned around to face the car and grabbed for his gun. He went backwards to the left side of the lane into the brush, where he slipped while he was having difficulty getting his gun. He said when he got back up and was reloading at his gun after emptying it, the car sped away.
1: Oh, I thought he implied that he fell and couldn't get out of the hole until <laughs> the shooting had stopped and they had drove away. I was like, is that what you call it? Falling into the hole and hiding. <laughs> okay, so he was just in there shooting from the hole. Yeah. A smart man. See, I thought he was just a cowardly man.
0: Um, I want to <laughs> say he mentioned something. I don't think I have that one. I want to say he mentioned it was like a swamp area.
1: Ah, uh, you can get stuck in it easily.
0: Yeah. So maybe that's what it was. Yeah. He also mentioned that at no time during this did he recognize Crawley. I guess he just thought some random loon was going around shooting. That does happen. Well, yeah, it does. He was asked after the car went by if he had seen the body of Fred Hirsch. He replied, I ran right across the lane to the body and shook him up. Odd way to put that. When asked if Hirsch said anything to him, he replied, no, sir, he was dead. Oh. Yeah. When Weeks questioned Yotas, he focused on how Yotas ran away when the shooting started. Weeks asked him, didn't your partner call to you for help and didn't you refuse to aid him? Yotas replied, no, I did the best I could for him. I couldn't get my gun out in time and I stayed in the bushes until I did. I didn't hear him yell for me. Weeks said, what did he yell? And Yotas said, he yelled, O oh, O oh, O." Oh. This testimony that Hirsch didn't call out to him was later contradicted in the cross-examination of Helen Walsh, where she testified that Hirsch called out yotis yotis
1: Oh, oh, and yotis yotis really don't sound different when you say it, like screaming when someone's shooting at you, I bet. Yeah,
0: Pro- yeah I could probably make that mistake, too. Yo, yo, oh, oh. Yeah. John was called to the stand and testified that while they were driving around the- that night, Crawley often talked about his hatred for cops. He said Crawley said that no cop would ever take him while he had a gun in his pocket. When the prosecution was finally finished, Crawley took the stand. He was asked his age, 19 at the time. They asked a few more questions about his past and and his school and his first crimes and if he had ever had trouble with police. His reply was, yes, they wanted me to act a stool. They knew I used to know what was going on and would pick me up and tried to scare the hell out of me. When asked if he ever acted as a stool pigeon, he replied, No, sir. They asked if he drank or smoked to both, he replied no. When asked about the evening of the murder of Hirsch, Crawley testified, I said to Helen, Here comes two cops, what'll I do? And she said, Use your own opinion, Frank. He said when the cops got up to them, they turned a flashlight in the car and one of them told him to take his hat off, and that he did as asked. He continued saying he felt Hirsch's gun against his stomach, and that he said if you'll let the girl go, I'll go with you. She ain't in on nothing, and I don't want her to get mixed up. If you don't let her go, then there will be trouble.
1: He's making it sound like he was saving the girlfriend from bad cops. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. He said he was scared and nervous.
1: Yeah, they yeah. probably had him at that point.
0: Yeah. Then he said he shot three times, then about five more after the cops started to slip, but that his hand with the gun was still in the car.
1: Uh, that might It might have fell in the car. Who it, knows? It
0: may. Aw. Oh. When asked why he shot her, she replied, to get away. That's all. I was nervous up by that time. After this, the jury retired to deliberate after the witnesses were questioned. Less than an hour later, they returned with the verdict of guilty of the first degree murder. I don't know if it was first degree. I don't, I don't believe he, it wasn't a planned thing.
1: If it was a planned thing. He
0: didn't set up a (laughs) cop to show up while he was with Helen somehow. So I don't see how that's. A planned he thing. He paid some
1: street boys still those tires knowing that this guy was going to show up hunting for him.
0: Yeah. Yes, he did murder the cop, which was wrong. Very wrong. But he did not have some elaborate plan to do so.
1: So I don't think he long-term planned no. to kill that cop.
0: I think it was exactly what he said. He wanted to get away. Yep. That's not a plan. That's a spur of the moment. I'm in trouble. Need to get away.
1: I don't know how the outcome would have changed, though. No. <laughs>
0: I, I don't think it would have. But anyway. Crawley then had one hand cuffed to a deputy and was escorted to the courtroom's exit. When he passed his mother, Anna Crawley, he made a sudden movement, causing him to immediately be tackled by several officers. They believed he was attempting to grab an officer's gun. He then began to swing his ha- free hand at the officers, causing mayhem in the courtroom. They eventually got him restrained and into a straitjacket, and he said his sudden movement was because he was trying to give his mother a
1: kiss. I believe him.
0: I, it is weird that... He waited until he was right at her. I feel like if he he was going to just grab a gun and start shooting, he probably wouldn't have done it right next to his mother. He seemed to genuinely care about her. They were just
1: all twitchy. Twitchy around the cop killer for good reason. Yeah.
0: June 1st, 1931, Judge Lewis J. Smith sentenced Crawley to be executed by an electric chair the week of July 5th, 1931.
1: Things were a little bit quicker back then.
0: Yeah. Now we're going back into Rudolph. Fats case. After the shootout on May 7th, Fats was taken to the New York City police headquarters where he immediately confessed to murdering Virginia Brandon. He said he was in love with her and believed she loved him and after a night of drinking she told him that she didn't love him anymore and that she planned to marry someone else. He said he thought about it for a few minutes then decided to kill her. He borrowed a gun from Crawley and then shot her once. The case was now under New York City jurisdiction because he confessed to killing her in the Bronx before dumping her body in Yonkers.
1: Oh, Yonkers.
0: District Attorney McLaughlin. Or McLaughlin.
1: I like Laughlin.
0: Laughlin. Well, it's spelled like laugh. Was the prosecuting attorney. May 11th, Fats appeared on first-degree murder charges before the Supreme Court Justice Albert Cohn. Con. Con? <laughs> he entered a plea of not guilty. Even though he admitted that he killed her.
1: And borrowed a gun and everything.
0: His attorney was former magistrate Walter A. Lynch. Fats' trial was set for May 25th, the same as Crawley's. But Wednesday, May 27th, 1931, in the Bronx County Supreme Court, Fats' trial began. I'm not sure why it was delayed till the 27th instead of the 25th. One concern when picking jurors was if there would be any prejudice towards Fats due to his association with Two-Gun Crawley which makes sense. Virginia Brandon's father traveled from Bangor, or Banger, Maine, for the trial. He told reporters, I have always believed in an eye for an eye. Any man who did what the man did deserves the severest punishment the law allows. I hope and pray that Derringer will be sent to the electric chair. He isn't fit to live. He killed my daughter just at a time when she was looking forward to marrying the boy of her choice. She was entitled to happiness, and I think she would have had it if this awful thing hadn't happened. How can any jury fail to convict him after the convincing evidence Mr. McLaughlin has introduced against him? I cannot possibly see. They tell me that Bronx justice is speedy. From the looks of the man in that jury box, I'm sure they will render a quick verdict of murder in the first degree. How can they do otherwise?
1: I mean, he did just say he done it, so...
0: Fats family refused to speak to the reporters. I don't blame them. Awkward. The defense tried to probe that Fats was intoxicated at the time of the murder and incapable of premeditating the act.
1: I was just so turned, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> that's a that's a common defense though.
0: In McLaughlin's opening statement, he indicated the murder was premeditated because in the initial interview, Fats stated that Virginia Brandon's refusal to marry him and told him she was going to marry someone else is when he started thinking of killing her. He told McLaughlin after five minutes, he made the decision to shoot her and fired the gun a few seconds afterward. District Attorney Lynch used the second point to try to save Fats, which was after Fats fired the gun into the floor of Virginia, Brennan attempted to pull the gun up from his hands, which caused the second shot that hit her in the abdomen. I might have just meant attorney and put district in front of it. Okay, I don't know. The medical examiner who performed the autopsy confirmed the gunshot wound entered her abdomen and exited through her back and that it was obviously close range if not right up against her body. A ballistic expert confirmed one of the handguns recovered during Fats arrest on May 7, 1931 was a Colt 380 which was the same gun that was used to murder Virginia. A bullet from the stolen car used in the murder was removed from the cushion of the back seat and was compared to a test fired Colt 380 and The markings were both similar.
1: I mean, this all sounds kind of cut and dry.
0: Yeah. Chief of Detectives Henry E. Berkman (laughs) testified that when he interviewed Fats, he admitted to killing Virginia. When Inspector Berkman was questioned, it was confirmed that Fats was not forced or threatened into making the statement. When Fats was on the stand, he testified that his shooting Virginia was an accident. He said he was asleep when Virginia woke him up and said, let's have some fun. Okay. Which prompted him to pull out his gun and shoot at the floor of the car.
1: How's that for fun?
0: <laughs> what? Who has that reaction? That is not what happened. He stated he was about to fire a second time when Virginia tried to grab the gun, causing the bullet to hit her.
1: Okay. He was mm-hmm. just going to fire a second time.
0: Yeah. At the floor of the stolen car.
1: That's his version of fun, just shooting at the floor. <laughs>
0: When McLaughlin began to ask Fats questions, he nervously said, it was accidental. It was accidental. Then he was asked, then you were lying when you made this confession at the time of your arrest. And he nodded yes. McLaughlin asked him why. Fats then began to place the blame on Crawley. Crawley told me to.
1: Why? I'm saying it like a child because that's what I imagine. (laughs) Why would he have told you to do that?
0: He said that Crawley gave him the gun. Crawley initiated the robberies and stole the car that Virginia was killed in. Then Crawley refused to take her to the hospital. Then he said Crawley instructed him where to dispose of her body as well. His blaming Crawley for the murder was disproven when witnesses testified hearing Crawley say he would never kill a woman.
1: But I'll have my henchman do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) June 4th, 1931, while Fats was waiting for the jury to return, he said, I don't want to burn. Crawley says he don't care, but that little mug must be crazy. I like a good time. Plenty to eat and drink. I want to live. After eight hours, the jury returned with the verdict of guilty on the first-degree murder.
1: I'm not surprised about that.
0: Mm -hmm. Joseph Brannon, Virginia's father, was pleased and said that McLaughlin's work in the case was superb. Part of what he said is he showed on the stand what kind of fellow he really is. He turned yellow and tried to pass the buck to his friend Crawley. He had nothing to do with this case except drive the car. When Derringer is put to death, the state will have done away with the man not fit to live among decent people.
1: I like how when they get put on the spot, everybody's story just falls apart. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell what, how much this is really true because of all the changing.
0: Yeah. June 7th, 1931, Monday morning, Justice Albert Kahn... Kahn? <laughs> Justice Albert Kahn sentenced Rudolph Derringer to die from the electric chair The week of July 13th, 1931, Fats was escorted to Sing Sing Prison. His attorney was filing for an appeal when he was being escorted to Sing Sing Prison.
1: That was quick. Straight there.
0: October 23rd, 1931, the Court of Appeals ruled to uphold the decision that Fats was guilty and he was to be executed. Executed. His execution was scheduled for December 10th, 1931.
1: Wow, that got knocked back quite a bit.
0: Bat's last chance to not be executed was executive clemency.
1: Yeah, you have to get a hold of the president or the governor.
0: Mm-hmm. At the time, Franklin D. Roosevelt was the governor of New York.
1: Oh, Roosevelt.
0: The bid for executive clemency reached the state capitol one week before his execution was scheduled. At the time, Roosevelt was out of the state, leaving executive decisions to Lieutenant Governor Mammon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's not even an M. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Lehman. (laughs) I wondered. Okay. The bid for executive clemency was denied by Lehman. December 10th, 1931, Rudolf Fats Derringer was executed in the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison.
1: Well, I'm not exactly surprised. He had it coming. Roosevelt would have probably done the same thing, I like to think.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. June 1st, 1931, Crawley was transported to Sing Sing Prison. Guards noticed he had a homemade knife concealed in one of his stockings when he arrived. Oh, good gracious. Charles Weeks bought Crawley some time for his execution by filing an appeal, which was scheduled for later in the year. June 13th, 1931, things were quiet with Crawley for the first few weeks until this date. A prison guard found a homemade weapon while performing a search. Crawley had wrapped a mattress bedspring around a magazine, and he was planning to use it to attack the guards to attempt to escape prison.
1: He's determined to go down fighting. Yeah. Because he would have went down fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh,
0: they threatened if he tried anything else, they'd remove his cot from his cell. A few days later, he received a letter from Helen, and obviously he was still pissed at her for betraying him, so he used a cigarette to start a fire in his cell, and his cot got removed.
1: Oh, no. Removed. He lost his cot and his magazine.
0: Yeah, he was forced to sleep on the floor. Then he stuffed his clothes in the toilet, causing the entire cell block to flood. His appeal was denied. And his execution was scheduled for January 21st, 1932.
1: These appeals, I can see why they do them. they just <laughs> another year or more.
0: Yeah. His last hope was a clemency hearing on January 11th, 1932. Franklin D. Roosevelt elected to support the court's decision and Two Gun Crawley was to be executed.
1: So now we know what Roosevelt thought.
0: hmm January 21st, 1932, Helen was finally granted permission to visit Crawley. When he was asked if he wanted to see her, he refused to have anything to do with her. I don't blame him. Hmm. I I mean, he was wrong in so many ways, but But, I don't blame him. But now
1: he's being executed for it, so.
0: (laughs) He said she's been running around with some lousy cop, and now she wants to see me so she can sell the stories to the papers. He only wanted to see his family in his final hours. Oh, An article in the New York Evening Journal said to be written by Helen Walsh read, I don't care what the world may think of him. I will always think of him as I knew him. He was kind and gentle and courteous. I knew Francis to be a boy possessed of fine qualities. The world may know him as Tuga and Crawley, but to me, he will always be shorty. A boy far nicer than the average and a little gentleman.
1: I mean, he did say he would never shoot a girl. so he I might believe have, him. They probably seen a whole different side of one. him that dudes never saw.
0: From what I could tell from the book anyway. He seemed to really like his mother.
1: Was, I can't remember, was it him or well, his daddy? Brother. Or who was the guy that was hooking up with girls and guys? That was him. Okay, I, see, I get when we went, we had done the earlier story, we covered some of one of his, was it his dad or his brother now? I can't remember. His brother. Okay, yeah, we covered his brother's story, and I couldn't I, I couldn't remember which one it was. I don't understand him. Yeah, he, that's... It's like the world was out to get him, and it turned him real bad.
0: Yeah, that's he's an interesting one that's for sure that's why i had to dive into it
1: yeah i feel i feel a little bit bad for the way things turned out he could have been yeah he could have been better if he hadn't have been stuck in certain oh. situations i like to think i don't I certainly don't think dropping him on his head done it
0: no i don't think the dropping on the head did this one i just feel like his experience was, with
1: other people has done it
0: yeah he was raised in a place where he had easy access to street gangs apparently his height made him feel like he needed to try harder to earn respect.
1: Like really hard if it was the only reason he was doing that guy Cops stuff. would
0: pick him up and beat him to try to get information out of him so he would narc on his friends.
1: Is that what they meant by pigeon?
0: Uh, the stool pigeon? Yeah. I assume so. That's what it seems like to That's me. It's another one of those classier words back in the day. I don't
1: think it's classy. <laughs> I don't see a stool pigeon. <laughs> Man, you're such a stool pigeon. Real classic insult. The shitty pigeon. <laughs> somebody needs to tell hmm. us what this means. And hmm. we have Google, but it's more exciting if somebody tells us. Yeah. You can make up something and we believe it. Yep. <laughs> uh, it'll be a little game we play <laughs> where we say random things and get it wrong. Is comp- it
0: fact or fiction? <laughs> make it a game. Yeah. Later that evening, January twenty first, nineteen thirty two. Two-Gun Crawley was strapped into the chair with electrodes put in place. He said his final words. The book says it is, give my love to my mother. Oh. There is another version of what they say. He said in my last utterances episode, Robert Elliott then pulled the switch just moments later.
1: Whatever he said. And that is the
0: end of Francis Two-Gun Crawley.
1: I need to look up this dude's picture.
0: He was a fairly handsome man, but uh, his brother was better looking, in my opinion.
1: People liked him until he went violent on him. Well, that was a nice story. What what are we doing next week, by the way? Oh, will Uh, you even be here next week?
0: I'm not going to be here next week.
1: Okay. We keep these episodes recorded two weeks in advance, so we still have an episode come out while she's on vacation. She's going to the Bahamas. So I'll just have a week off, I guess. I have invited Dakota over to record another podcast in your place on Brother Knows Quest. Okay.
0: I don't know. I think Anna tried to do a good job, but her oldest, or not her oldest, um, well, I guess it was, her birth son was a bad influence, first of all. And then him getting killed by a cop probably didn't help. And the cops beating him for information didn't help no. with this whole situation. But he is still to blame for his actions. And he is to blame for treating Billy that way. Bringing another girl into her home that she rented for you too. What a jacket. You went too far for that. I probably shouldn't say that. The murder was too far. But that's still too far. That is wrong.
1: I agree. Beth, tell us where to find you.
0: You can email me at horrifichistory.hauntings at com if you have any ideas for future episodes that I could possibly do or if I got some information wrong and you would like to respectfully let me know so I can correct it in future episodes.
1: Tell us about your Pinterest.
0: Horrific History and Hauntings is my Pinterest name. And in my saved sections, I save interesting pictures or interesting stories or facts information you can find and i use it not only as inspiration for possible future episodes but i save the ones that i've already done that you all can go look at
1: find her there and i have created us a, a podcasting network it's called gruesome gaming group it's where all this and the other two podcasts we do are under that you can find it on twitter under gruesome gaming g you can Send us tweets or ideas and stuff like that, or just see information about our newer episodes that came out. We'll leave the Amazon affiliate link for these books that we got this information from in the description of this episode and the previous episode because they're the same books. Uh, Anything you buy with those links will be the same price for you it would be otherwise, but it'll also come back and give us a little bit of extra cash uh, because we're the ones who showed you how to find it. And I do another podcast with my friend Dakota called Leveling Duo. It's a podcast where me and him discuss the games that we've played the video games we've played over the years and how they've changed our lives or just made them better in a little bit and beth and i do another podcast called brother knows quest it's a podcast where i bring a random tabletop role-playing game i've got down to her house and discuss it with her and tell her about the setting and a few of the rules and see if she'd ever want to play it. and she gives me her opinion on those thank you for listening i've been ramey and i'm beth and this has been horrific history and hauntings goodbye